podcast, a weekly coaching clinic that you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome to episode number 55 with my old friend from Norfolk Catholic High School, girls basketball coach Tim Kazmaier, the man, the myth, the legend. I, I, did they build the school around you, Kaz? Uh, no, <laughs> it's uh, long before I was. Okay, all right, because I didn't realize how long you had been there till you sent me your stuff, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, you know, I, you were helping Moses bring the tablets down from 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 the mount there. <laughs> oh, it's been a while, but the, you know, when you start out, that's it was my first job too, so it's been a good place to work. They've uh, treated me really good, and. Have had a good support system with the administration and really good support system with our parents, and then ultimately it comes down to our kids. Our, we have been able to work with some great kids, and it's just been a, a great experience for me. Well, we will get into those experiences here in just a minute here, but before we get into those experiences um, with the prophet Tim Kazmaier here, um, <laughs> we want to uh, we want to recognize our sponsor, COSAC Chiropractic, located at 14450 Eagle Run Drive here in Omaha. Coaches, if you have an athlete who is struggling with balance, neck, or spinal issues, have them go see COSAC Chiropractic. Give Dr. Kevin or Dr. Heidi a call at 402-964-0300 or... Uh, check out their practice at kosakchiro.com, K-O-S-A-K-C-H-I-R-O.com. Be sure to let them know that a pen and a napkin sent you. Uh, follow us on Twitter at a pen and a napkin. We try to put out daily coaching tidbits, uh, so be sure to follow us there. Uh, obviously, if you're listening, you're on SoundCloud or iTunes, so download, rate, review, give us a five-star review so that we can gain momentum in the ratings so we can reach out to as many coaches as we can so that we can help coaches hone their craft. And last but certainly not least, if you would like to email the pod, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Uh, please don't hesitate to reach out, and I'll do my best to get back to you as soon as I can here. So, Kaz, how are things in Norfolk, Nebraska, on this lazy Sunday morning? It's been good. I, you know, can't complain too much. We're back in school, which I think is big during this uh, pandemic that we've had going on after taking the spring off. But I think our it's been good for my kids, I know specifically, and my family, for my kids to be back in school every day. And, and it's been, I think it's been a really good thing for our, our school to be back in session, too, because I think you take for granted sometimes some things that go on that you just get to do, and it's been good to be back in it again. So even after you do it for as long, when it, you get into 28 years, you know, it's a, it's good to have a fresh start again. So I, I think that's some of the things that we're kind of going through and fighting through. But it's just a little different with being able to or having to do all the extra precautions to make sure everybody's safe. But I think it's been a good difference, too. So it's just something that we'll continue to keep working on. No, I definitely agree with you there. Uh, it, it is good to, to have the kids back and to be back in school. I, I think we underestimated how important activities and athletics are to the educational experience um, until they were taken away from us. And now that we have them back, um, it just, you know, it is an important step to getting back to normal. And I thought that's been big too for us. Uh, you, you, kids want to compete and kids want to be a part of a group. And I think that's uh, when the, they didn't get to do that in the spring and with that, I'm a track coach too, so you, you miss out on that chance to just 
get to experience different things in a new life. Uh, it, when it's taken away and you don't get that opportunity to do things that you've been doing, it, it it's really tough. I, I don't know how I would have handled it if I was in high school at that time and a season was taken away from me, too. So just a tough deal to handle, but it's something that I think in the long run it'll, you'll never forget it, and you'll also be able to maybe cherish the opportunities that you do get as you move forward. Yeah, exactly. Well, speaking of opportunities, you've, you've had quite the opportunities here. Um, I started doing the math. You've coached in almost 700 games, buddy. <laughs> and that's, that's history teacher math, so that could be a little bit off. Uh, but uh, 388 and, and 285, 10 state tournaments, uh, three state runner-up, and, and, and one state championship in 2008. Um, but I think the job that you have done has been a little bit underestimated because you are in one of the most competitive regions for small schools when it comes to girls basketball. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll put up Northeast Nebraska to anywhere in the country as far as the quality of, of basketball night in, night out when it comes to girls basketball. And, and so what's that gauntlet like to run through every year and how do you get yourself prepared for it? Well, you know, about every night you're going to go in and have a battle regardless of who you play. Uh, I think our conference, the Mid-States Conference, was, you have a team like Crofton who's in the last 10 to 15 years has been just unbelievably solid and in and out of state championship games and state semi-high state tournament on a regular basis. You have Guardian Angel Central Catholic who's a team that's, I think, went to the state tournament for probably 22 or 23 years in a row and mm-hmm. had that streak broken and then they've been right on the edge even when they don't get to the state tournaments. You have a team like Pierce who I believe won three back three in a row in Class C1. Uh, so they, all of those things just within our conference. You have Battle Creek back in the 80s when Coach Snitzler was there. It was unbelievable in terms of what they were able to accomplish. So that tradition and all those things that are from just our conference and then you start looking at our area, it, it has been tremendously tough. And I think to get ready for that, you just know that you got to battle every night and you got to be ready to go. And if you're not on top of your game, it's going to be extremely hard to win. So that's just part of it. But it's also been, I think, something that's good when we play that high caliber, when you get the opportunity to maybe be at a state tournament or be in that big moments you're ready for it because of all those experiences does it does it help keep you sharp year to year knowing that you're going to have so much competition around you i think so i, I think you have to adjust too based on your team because i'd love to tell you we have the best players and it's just we go out and throw the ball and go play we don't get to just do that but it, it does make you have to stay on top of your game you have to adjust things from your year to say, okay, well, this is something that worked against somebody else, but this might be what I need to do now in order to maybe improve our game. And it's just something that we continue to keep working on, keep trying to see what's the better way. I, I've been pretty fortunate with my assistants that I've had that uh, we, I, I tried to recruit Michaela Barry at the time, but now it's Michaela Beller. Uh, back to our school and she's now our volleyball coach and that's been a, a big help for us. She played college basketball at Wayne State and at Hastings and at 
Kearney, uh, University of Kearney, UNK, and uh, she's been able to bring some other ideas of uh, some of the experiences that she had back to our program, and I think that's really helped us in the last two years to just get some fresh ideas and to be able to kind of build on what we need to get done. Have you felt like sometimes, Kaz, where, uh, and I know I felt this way, you know, with Elkhorn, Elkhorn South, Gretna, um, sometimes it was harder to get to the state tournament than it was to have success at the state tournament because it was just, you know, so difficult to, to get there. Did, do you ever feel like that sometimes? Oh, yeah. I, I've always said with that, that the sub-district, it seems like that we come out of, and <laughs> it, our district final might be easier than the sub-district just to get to that point. But the, at the same time, you just never know. It, it, everybody says they're schedule's the toughest and our conference is the toughest in the area and you know I I do do believe what you just said that it, it depends on your pot mm-hmm. where you're yeah. located that uh, it, it, sometimes it's just extremely difficult but I think that's also a reason why we've had such success when we get to that state tournament time too yeah well I grew up in in northwest Iowa and and sometimes you know I would say two out of every three years, whoever came out of Northwest Iowa um, for the state tur- to, to get to the state tournament was going to be at the very least in the state championship game, if not winning it. Um, which, if you take a look at the the rest of the state, uh, that there, there's a lot of state there, um, but you would you were you were more. It was almost like you had won this this big victory or this psychological victory, just getting down to to uh to the state tournament by just getting out of there and that's without the benefit of a wild card you got to win your way to, down there um and i know we we don't have as much of the influence with the wild card anymore uh but i, I and i know you've you got down there at least once via the wild card so i i, I do think that it does that that steel sharpens steel but sometimes you know, you can also run yourself down a little bit where you feel like you're beating your head up against the wall saying god darn i know we're 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 right there, but we just we're just not getting that ultimate payoff at the end of it. Yeah, and that's that's one of the tougher things to deal with because I I do think, especially in girls' athletics, sometimes that girls are pretty hard on themselves if they don't win everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and you don't have that experience of success, or you you don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, we're fighting hard, we're getting where we need to be, but you don't get the W or don't get the win, then you question yourself of what what am I doing here? What am I trying to get accomplished? And I think the, the big thing with that is as long as you can continue to say we're moving forward, we're getting in the right direction, we're right there, we're right on the edge, uh, if you can continue to keep selling that point and seeing the, the, the end result, hopefully it, it, at some point that work that you put in really pays off. And I, I think we've been pretty fortunate. You, you catch some breaks along the way too, so it, that always is a big thing and a big part of athletics too is being able to handle that. I, I always think that it's a life lesson. I think sports are really give you a number of life lessons that you can carry on the rest rest of the time and utilize that hopefully to make good decisions as you move forward. Well speaking of life lessons and, and I've I've always this has always stuck in the back of my mind with you and and I don't want to bring up too negative of a memory here. Um, but the the two, 2007 state championship game um, 
you were you were up two with five seconds left to go, and and Crofton had to go the 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 length of the court. And obviously, this is a bitter rival as well. And Amber Hagee banks in a shot from about twenty five feet out as the buzzer goes off. And it, it, I can't imagine how crushing of a defeat uh, that was for you. But one of the things that always stuck out with me, Kaz, was you were doing the the television interview about you know it couldn't have been no more than 10 minutes later and the the class that you handled yourself with in that situation where you're you just had to have been um I, again i just can't imagine um what you're what you were going through mentally and physically and what you felt like you were going to have to say to your team after after that situation how i guess the the question i've always wanted to ask you how did you do that uh and, and handle it with such such class and and such uh, poise when I I'm telling you I would have been curled up in the fetal position with a thumb in my mouth in that situation. Uh, how'd you do it, man? Oh, you know I think that was time. I I, I was pretty fortunate when we started out at Norfolk Catholic. I we went through a season where we were three and fifteen the first year I started. Then we went to one and seventeen. And then we got to four, I think, in 15, and then five and 15. So it was a long grind to get to where, to be able to compete at the high level. Mm-hmm. And that part, I think those experiences keep me, kept me grounded at the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that's all part of it, because it, you, you see the other side and you don't get to win. Well, everybody wants to win, and that's the ultimate goal. And to have something like that happen, I also knew that uh, in the back of my mind that you got to be there for the kids. And our my my kids were really struggling with that. So uh, when we, you know, the, the shot doesn't go in, the girls are kind of deflated. Obviously, anybody's deflated at that time. I think our parents were deflated. Everybody was. But mm-hmm. uh, you just find a way to. And this is what's important now. Uh, let's try to give a good face and let's do the thing. And obviously, Crofton was extremely talented. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amber Heggie is one of the greatest athletes to come out of the state of Nebraska. Uh, so you, you give hats off to the play that she was able to make. Aaron Losing, great coach. Uh, and just they've had a great program for a long time. So uh, you don't want to diminish the fact of. Geez, that was a lucky shot. Oh no, it's a, it takes the skill to be able to put a shot up like that in, and then you give credit where credit's due. And uh, I thought I thought a lot of that too. Uh, my mom and dad were always good to me when I was growing up. So you you bring those experiences back in, and you just want to make sure you treat everybody right and do the right thing. And that's to me that's as important as anything else. You you put down uh, for your influences. Uh, I thought it was interesting. You put down a couple football coaches. Uh, or guys that are associated with football, even though you you deal largely, uh, you're most known for your your coaching of basketball. Uh, let's let's just talk about it, those, those two guys here. We'll start with Larry Martin. What are some things that you took from from Larry Martin? For those the folks that don't know, Larry Martin is the the head boys ba- or the head football coach uh, at Omaha North, and he's won multiple state championships and had a heck of a run here the last decade or so. Uh, what's what's he helped? You know what did he help you with that is that has helped you develop into to the to the coach that you are today? Well, we started together at Fremont Bergen. Uh, 
he came in from Northern Illinois, played football there, and we ended up coaching together as assistants at Fremont Bergen uh, when I was in college. So we, we kind of just talked back and forth about a number of different things at that time. He helped in basketball, I helped in basketball, and then I helped him in football. He was ended up being the head football coach at Fremont Bergen too. And we just talked back and forth about some philosophies, wanting our kids to work as hard as they possibly can, to try to find the best way to do things. And it, it just gave me a good idea, gave me good ideas of, hey, this is something that works. He was a great motivator of kids. And I always thought that was something I wanted to take from him. And I, I thought he really helped me kind of get going. And, terms of the coaching profession and then we still share ideas back and forth all the time and check in with each other see how each other are doing and it's been a great relationship to have mm-hmm. the only other guy that's been at norfolk catholic longer than you have jeff bellar who is who has had extreme success um he's now the i believe he's the head of the nsaa uh president of the nsaa today um you know you know while they were building the school around you, he was on the other side of the, the building making sure they were getting that taken care of. But what 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 influences, uh, you know, it's, it's got to be terrific having a guy like Jeff around as well. Oh, it's been awesome. He was actually the guy that hired me. And when I started at Norfolk Catholic, he goes, yeah, we got this girls' basketball pro- program. I think they're going to be pretty good, actually. Just need to get the right person in and get it started in there. I came into it and I said, okay, that sounds good. I, did, I didn't really look into the background of what records were. And, and when I came in, I didn't know they didn't win the year before. So, you know, I probably didn't do great research on what was going on with, our, <laughs> with the program at the time. You know, you're out of college, you're trying to get, you get an interview and you want to go get a job. And yeah. that was probably the biggest thing that when I went to the interview, I interviewed at a place about a week before that. and. I didn't probably sell myself in terms of saying, hey, I think I can do this and get it done as much. So you learn something from having one interview, you don't get the job, and you go the next week to another interview, and then you just want to try to do everything you can to get that first job. And uh, he was just really good in the interview, person, people person, and uh, really easy to talk to. We had a lot of similar interests. He loves sports and Mm-hmm. He was a principal, being a principal in education, he just really sold it and sold me on that at that time and was really good about <laughs> helping me out and trying to guide me along the way. I knew they had great success. I think in 1991, their football team won the state championship, so I knew of that background. And two years later, I'm interviewing in the spring, to, right after I graduated, to uh, get this job. And then come in and he just guided me along the way. I was able to be an assistant with him uh, for the first few years and then he went to Norfolk High for a year. I got to be the head football coach for a year and then he came back. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just had a situation that worked out really good to come back. I had to eat a little humble pie by not being the head coach again at that time but at the same time I was able to learn a lot and get better at my craft and I've been the defensive coordinator now with him since, that, mm-hmm. since 1996. So we have always hashed back and forth different ideas, different things that we needed to do. One of the things I think he does a great job is he's able to sell every kid on this is your position, this is what you can do, and he gets some kids to really perform above what their ability level is. Mm-hmm. And I've always said that if I could get my kids that I'm coaching to be able to be above their ability level, I think that's done a great job. And 
he again, he was really big into one always doing life lessons while we're within the job and within the end of game results. This is about what we want to do to build kids up and to help them in their future. And I, I think he's been a tremendous person to have. That on the days I'm not doing very well, he gets me pumped up again to go back out there and get started. And it's just been a really good relationship to kind of make me grow as a coach too. How much I've all, I'm always fascinated to hear uh, about guys who coach multiple sports. I've, I've, I coached baseball way back when, uh, but it's been a long, long time, um, you know. But what what are things that that you have taken from football that has that has helped you hone your craft as a basketball coach? Well, one of the things we try to do, we really promote trying to have our kids be three sport athletes if they possibly can, if it works in their schedule, and because. Uh, what happens is that you're able to have another coach maybe push them in a different area and be able to get them to maybe excel in another part. But the biggest thing to me is that they stay in shape and that they're able to continue to hear good things of different people, get different ideas and different experiences that will help them within what they're doing. To me as a coach, it's always been nice. I have a football team, so I'm coaching boys in the fall, go to girls in the, in the winter, so I'm not seeing the same group of kids all the time there. And then mm-hmm. I go back in the spring and I'm with boys and girls. So with that, that to me, I get the, a well-rounded view and get to dip, work with different kids all the time. So it, it keeps me sharp in terms of trying to get done with what we need to get done within not only school day, but then the activities after school. We just continue to keep going back and forth to figure out what we think is the best way to get kids to perform at a high level. What are some big differences that you see between male athletes and female athletes, you know? You know, obviously the size and strength, there's a little bit to that. Because guys, obviously, we've been pretty fortunate. We've had some pretty tremendous, tremendously talented boy athletes, too. Uh, you have a kid like Ethan Piper, who's a, a football player at the University of Nebraska. And then you have a kid like Dylan Couts, who is running track at the University of South Dakota. Uh, he, that top edge, uh, top level kid is something that's very special and you may only get to see one or two of those kids throughout the course of a coaching career and some people don't even get that opportunity. And then I was fortunate enough in girls basketball to have Nicole Brundart in 2008 who was the girls high school athlete of the year. Mm-hmm. Just unbelievably, tremendously talented girl if i were to try to pick up between ethan and dylan and nicole what the differences are i you know they had a tremendous work ethic uh, they had some talent obviously but they were the type of kid that wanted to do everything they could to be the best they could be so if i were to re- say what's the difference between boys and girls i don't think there's a huge difference it's mm-hmm. more about uh, what they want to accomplish and what they want to do i think the biggest thing is usually the drive for the ones that who want to be really good or continue to keep pushing themselves all the way through. And then they have good parent support that they, they their parents do a good job of supporting them throughout the time that they do. They're not too, obviously every parent wants every kid to do everything they can to be the best they can be. But I think if they can really guide them and say it's, it's not the end all that you don't win everything that you're in and you just continue to do the best you can. I think that's been, for me, what I've seen from our the best players that I've had and the best athletes we've had, that 
they continue to keep striving to be as good as they can be. Yeah. What have, what's, what's been perhaps um, the greatest benefits in your mind of being at the same school for 28 years? You know, because sometimes you can, you can stay at a place too long and, you know, for various reasons, um, whether, you know, it, it could just be a bunch of different things, you know, rattle it off. Uh, but what, is, what has been the greatest benefit in your mind for being at Norfolk Catholic for now almost three decades? Yeah, just the consistency. I think kids know what I expect out of them. They know that uh, this is. I'm going to try to work as hard as they work, and we're going to try to do everything we can to be the best we can be. Uh, and you know, day in and day out, this is what's going to happen. And if we can continue to keep getting better, it, I think there's always things that you change. I think when I first started, I thought this is the only way we could do things. Uh-huh. Uh, we were. We were a man-to-man team. We didn't do a lot else. We were go full court man, uh, some half, mainly half court man. If we wanted to do the things we wanted to do against the best teams out there, yeah. and then we would try to run the floor. Well, I kind of changed a little bit in the last couple of years, just because I always dealt with having maybe a five-seven or five-eight post uh-huh. or playing a four spot before everybody started talking about stretch fours and uh, playing five-out games. Uh-huh. Uh, we never we would have one tall girl and then four or five four four or five uh, four four not four four five four five six five seven kids playing with this maybe five ten five eleven six footer. Uh-huh. So we would have to try to manipulate some things. I didn't think playing zone was very that's something that was very smart for us because we just didn't have that length to maybe cover up some of the gaps. And now and. And going to have to completely change with our group for next year. We're going to have probably three or four six footers who are going to end up being in the game at the same time. Uh-huh. So you got to manipulate that a little bit because we we probably won't be as quick and as fast as we've been in the past. But it's something I think that you adjust to the, the group that you have and go from there. And I think that is what has really helped uh, me be able to stay at our school as long as I could. But I really come down to that parent support and the kids support. Uh, everybody just kind of buys in that we want to do this thing together and I think that's been a huge part of it uh, obviously to be in a Catholic school too it's a little different from time to time mm-hmm. but you know uh, those experiences that we have too I think being able to bring God into a lot of what we do has been really good too well let's uh, let's pivot here Cass um, we're going to go into our Don Meyer quote of the day and Feel free, uh, Tim, to, to comment on this in any way that you would like. In fact, I would encourage you to do so. Uh, the Don Meyer quote of the day is, When the legs go, the heart and the head will soon follow. What do you think? Uh, I do believe that the conditioning part of it, it, it is a big part of what goes on because uh, you have to be in good shape you have to be able to do the things that you need to do if you watch the NBA right now and the playoffs that they're going through and then you hear the bubble and some of the guys have been away from their families for I think 81 or 82 days is what I heard last night yeah yeah Denver had been yeah that mental grind I do think gets to you because if you're physically not there your legs are gone the, the brain really can dictate what goes on for you and mm-hmm. how you get through things. So I that, that's 
that quote makes a lot of sense to me. Well, I'm, I'm glad it does. The, the, the one thing I want to be sure to do is to make everything make sense for you this morning, Cass. Well, after spending a summer of hotels with you uh, about a decade ago with the with the Pinnacle team, uh, I, I know you you guided me a heck of a lot more than than I guided you. I, I know that for sure. So, but uh, uh, you kept me and Ben. Were you? No, it was it was you and was it you and Kasner? No, I okay, I think I was there maybe before Kasner was there. Too. Okay, all right, because you were you were there one year. It was me and it was me and Van Akron. I, was it the summer I was with Linda Walker? Maybe. I think so. Yeah, and and you were you were on the senior team with with Tom Lee. Correct. Okay. And, and, and he he's a, a joy to be around. That oh, guy. great guy! I love that guy. Great guy, absolutely one thousand percent. So, well, let's uh. Let's start talking about your program here. Um, I thought one of the things that was interesting that you kept emphasizing, and, and as I thought about it, we hadn't really talked about it very much on the podcast, but I think I'm going to lead with this. You talked a lot, we, we've talked a lot about building programs, but one of the things that kind of came up as, as I kept reading through your stuff was how you got your high school players involved in your junior high and elementary programs. So what are some things that you do at Norfolk Catholic there to get your high school kids um, involved uh, to with, with leading the next generation of Norfolk Catholic kids there so that they have an opportunity to spend time with those kids? We really try to emphasize that if it works for them during the school year, we put... We try, I try to put together about four or five times that we'll meet with our elementary grade three through six for about an hour to an hour and a half on various Saturdays as it works in the schedule in November and December, where I have my kids, the high school kids, actually come in and do the drills for them that we would do in practice, where mm-hmm. we're working on layups or we're working on dribbling drills or passing drills or some defensive drills, some rebounding, whatever it is, and I try to... I just organize it and I let the girls kind of take charge and go after it with the various groups. So we'll have like third grade at one hoop, fourth grade at another, and so on. And then I'll put a couple kids in charge of that hoop and say, hey, this is their drills for the day. I'll blow the whistle at like a 10 minute mark and we'll go to the next drill or whatever we're working on. And then I try to give them an opportunity to coach the team. So we'll play a little bit of five on five going up and down. And so I say, uh, with the two seniors groups that we have for this year, I'll say Emily's team is over here, Mary's team is over here. Let's go at it at the head and see how you guys do, mm-hmm. and give them an opportunity to coach the kids at that time. And and then for our junior high program, we have them actually keep clock and book mm-hmm. for every game that we have at home. We just say, okay, we're responsible for this, and it's been something that I think when the junior high kids see the high school kids come into their game and get to see them play, even though our high school kids, sometimes they begrudgingly go to the games because they have, well, geez, I got to do this and do that, (laughs) but I think in the end, they kind of see, well, geez, that's what I was like two years ago, and it's good for them to see that, I think it gives them a good background uh, to be able to accomplish something, to see, hey, I'm going to give back a little bit, and then I have our kids, actually, we have a pizza party at the end of our junior high season where I have our seniors come in and give a speak uh, talk for about five minutes on 
like four or five different things, depending on what uh, kind of the emphasis might be of saying, let's do uh, oh, what's important for you guys. Uh, academics, so we go through, we go through being involved in multiple activities. We talk about being a good teammate. We talk about what it takes to, what, what do you need to do to be successful in basketball at Norfolk Catholic? And they'll give them some ideas. And then we always open up the junior high to have questions at the end, which some of them are uh, confident enough to ask a question to a high school senior, but, uh, you know, we just give them that opportunity to get that relationship built. And I think it's something that feeds off itself. So it's always a big thing for us. How many of your high school kids come up to you after those uh, elementary and junior high sessions and, they're, and they say something along the lines of, I did not know how hard coaching was. <laughs> You'd be amazed how many times that does happen. Yeah. It's, it's, I think, a good eye-opening experience for them, and it's one that I always think that it's good for them to experience while they're still playing because mm-hmm. it makes a difference, and they kind of see, okay, here's the coaching side of the thing, of what our coaches are trying to ask us to do, and now we can kind of see – Oh, geez, there's a little bit more to it than what I actually think. It should just be roll out the ball and go. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I think our, I think it's really a good experience for them. Mm-hmm. What uh, What do you do? I, I also saw this with with your stuff. You, you talked a lot about turning over what I would call turning over decisions to your high school players. Basically, uh, the stuff that you don't really care about per se. Uh, but you know it's important to them, so you let them make the decisions on those things, which I think is a really good thing. I've always tried to do that as well. Can you go more into depth on some of those things that you kind of just turn it over to the high school kids and you let them come up with it, and then you just roll with it? Yeah, I, I, at, at some point in time, you get tired of trying to do designs for T-shirts. So one of the things that I came up with our kids, whatever senior group we have, I let them design the t-shirt and tell them, okay, you guys can pick whatever you want. Typically, I'll give them the school colors. We have to do red and white. You could do some gray, possibly, but it's got to have red and white in it, or you can do black, but it better have red and white in it, too. Uh, I'm starting to expand a little bit, because number one, I got too many shirts. No. (laughs) Uh, uh, But just, I let the kids pick out a color for our summer camp. So, okay, seniors, you're in charge of picking out our summer camp shirt. You're in charge of picking out our school year shirt that we're going to use for possibly to take the games or the day of a game. We'll wear a T-shirt to signify our team. And then I'll try to give them an opportunity to pick out the T-shirt design for our third through sixth grade. Uh, We call it Burns Ball Program. So Uh I try to give them an opportunity there to pick out what they want. And then I, I get it okayed. I let them okay it back again, and we go from there. And I think that's something that's helped our kids become uh, feel like a more important role playing a more important role on our team and then I'll try to meet actually I probably didn't tell you this but I'll try to meet with our seniors once a week just to talk to them about how the season's going uh, what how do you think we're doing what what do you what do I need to do as a coach to help you guys out more what can you guys do to help our team out more and we try to get that report during the season so they actually feel like hey this is my team this is what we're going to do and this is what we need to accomplish and I think it's been something that's been very good. How important is it to have that ownership by the players? I think that's the number one thing that you have to have anymore. They have to have the buy-in to say, hey, this is important to me, and then it's 
important for us to do well. And I think for everybody on our team, if we're all going in the right direction and we're all moving together to accomplish something, I think it's a really big thing. So I, the more ownership I can give to them, the better. I, I haven't got to the point in a game where I say, well, you call the play. What do we need to do? Mm-hmm. I haven't done that yet, but that, at the same time, I do want the input from them because I think in order for us to get to where we need to be, they have to know that it's they're an important part of the decision-making process. You, do you ever, and I, I've done this before, you, you get into a huddle, you know, what, what are you seeing out there right now? Uh, what looks good? What have you guys? What are you guys feeling out there? Um, you know, what do you want to, you know, let's say it's uh, the other, North, you know, Crofton's ball, and you go, okay, hey, do you, you know, do we want to go with our, our black defense or our red defense here? What do you guys like out of this? Uh, are, are those some things that you try to do? We do. Every once in a while, we'll do that in the game. I try. I usually try to meet with the, my assistants real quick before we talk to the team, which I'm sure everybody does. And you get to the timeout, okay, what do we want to address real quick? Okay, we, we get about a five or ten second feel, and then we go into the huddle with the kids. But there are times I'll go, hey, what do you think? If we Should we go man or zone this time? What do you feel comfortable in? What do you, what do you feel confident in? And I'll go, because I, I said I could go either way, but this is what I'm looking at. Uh, what do you guys think? And hopefully I have one person who feels like a good leader or feels confident enough to say, hey, I think this is what we should do. And then I'll, I'll think about it, and then we'll go with it. If that's what we think we need to get done, and hopefully we can make a good decision. You know, I, I, the 2020 uh, look in the mirror thing, sometimes you look back on it and go, what the heck was I thinking there? And then, Sometimes it works, and then sometimes it doesn't. It's just all, all of trying to figure out what works best. But but I think kids today feel that it's important that they do have a say in things. I mean, we, you know, we're 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 going through uh, a lot of things here the last six months or so, um, and and there's more uh, more kids are aware of of the world and and want to have a a say in things, and when it's applicable. Like you said, you know, you're not going to turn over everything, uh, but just giving that little nugget every now and then uh, helps helps bring them to a, a place where they do feel that ownership and that yeah, coach does value what we what we want what we have to bring to the table. I think that's huge too. I, if they can feel like they're a part of the process, if they feel like they have some input, and they say this is where we're going to go. I, I think that's as good as you can do. Uh, and it will help them later on in life when they have to make decisions with uh, what job they get and who they're working for. And I always tell them, not everything's going to be perfect for you when you get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but you got to find a way to be able to talk back and forth and to be able to communicate, to be able to figure out, okay, this is what will work best. You might not always see eye to eye on what you're doing, but you you got to try to figure out a way to get it to work and then try to get everybody moving in the same direction because if you can do that you can really accomplish good things yeah one of the things that you uh, also put down that i hadn't really you know we've never really talked about it specifically on the pod that i can remember but you talked a lot about footwork when you were talking about what you do in practice the the phrase footwork came up uh two three four different times on the on the stuff that you filled out you know talk about the importance of of footwork on both ends of the floor, and then also if you've got any, you know, good footwork drills on either side of the ball uh, to share with our listeners, uh, that would be greatly appreciated as well, Cass. 
Well, you know, we actually, this, <laughs> the pandemic helped us maybe incorporate something that I think we're going to continue to use. Or we would, for our weightlifting times during the summer, when we got the okay to do it in June, we went to a time where we're going to do 40 minutes of weight work and then 20 minutes of different footwork drills. So the same group of 10 kids would come in for the first, they had an hour time frame where they would have to work in our weight room. Mm-hmm. And we had a coach, we had all of our coaches tried to take a part of the weight room for the 40 minute session. Then we'd rotate groups through. And then the 20 minute session, we had another coach down in the gym and we would go through uh, like a step ladder drill. Mm-hmm. And we had a, a various things of step ladders that they would go through or a, a dot drill or jump rope or we go to some plyometric drills and I think that's something that we're going to continue to keep doing and I thought that was a big part of what we were able to do for summer that we're going to continue to keep using and we try to do uh, some kind of footwork every single day for the first 10 to 15 minutes of our practice incorporated with our ball handling so we have a group of last year we had I believe 20 kids out. So we had 10 kids doing a footwork drill and 10 kids working on ball handling. And we would just bounce back and forth and find out what we would need to do for the day. So I I would take the step ladder drill and take some kids through it. And then we had another coach go through a ball handling series with them. And I thought that was something that really, as we continue to keep moving on, it's been been really good for us. Specifically footwork drills, uh, we've been bent into the step ladders. Mm-hmm. Doing one foot in, one foot out, two feet in, two feet out. Uh, going side to side with some zigzags through the step step ladders. There's a number of different things out there, and you can YouTube anything anymore to find any various uh, or any variation to any drill that you want to do. So I think those things have been very good. We'll we'll do some things with some mini hurdles where we're stepping over mini hurdles or and doing a, and trying to use some footwork drills for that. So. To me, if we can get our feet to be better, it will really help us on the defensive end trying to get in front of people and trying to get people stopped off the drive, which is a kind of a lost art anymore mm-hmm. yeah. uh, to get your body in front of people. And then it really helps our footwork in terms of our shooting uh, to try to get our feet underneath our shoulders and all of those things to have the So we're doing the same thing almost every single time while we're shooting, and we think that's a big part for us too. Um. Do you guys have any just practice specific footwork drills, pivoting, pivot, you know, pivoting with the ball or closeout things that 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 is geared at footwork that you'd be willing to share? You know, we do one, and again, I I was nice to have Coach Beller, uh, Michaela Beller, come and do some things. She they they did some things at Kearney that we have incorporated in part of our defensive session so we'll do the footwork we we do a stretch session and we come right back with a, a defensive closeout drill so we'll start in the middle of the lane uh, and close out to a wing the coach will either go baseline or go middle and we're trying to get our butt down and just what everybody else would say we're two-thirds of the way sprinting out to them the last third we're trying to break our feet down and really do a good job of chopping them while we're closing and then get our feet ready to position ourselves so that when they go up drive one of the two ways we're ready to get our feet underneath us and be quick mm-hmm. as quick as we can to get down get our hips down and it's the same thing everybody else would say <laughs> i'm not reinventing the wheel sure so it's about 
it's about just trying to get down and get moving in that aspect and we'll do and it's real quick we'll do one or two every single day we're doing it some type of close out and then change of direction to try to get our body in front and we'll do that on both sides and, and go at the same time so for us it's been something that i thought really helped us too well it's it's the simplicity of it though that you need to emphasize and sometimes we get wound up with you know especially like with skill development guys and they're doing stuff they're throwing medicine balls at kids while they're trying to make you know and all these crazy things like you know the basic things are still the basic things within the game and and that type of stuff where you got a kid that's dribbling 14 times between the like well yeah James Harden's going to do that and when i have a player that's good as good as James Harden then i'll worry about that but until we get to that point we got to keep it simple we got to keep it focused on the simple things that we can do to make our kids better Right, and typically I tell our kids if we're dribbling more than three times, we're probably in trouble. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> ultimately, if you really watch a game and break it down, even the NBA players, they, they may do that, but it's still about what they do in the one or two dribbles to get somewhere. Yeah. Uh, that they're really doing something that accomplishes something to make the defense adjust to them. So, I, I read a – oh, sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I read a, a big, uh, nerdy basketball stats book, um, and the NBA by numbers or basketball by numbers or something like that. Uh, when NBA players dribble more than twice, their shooting percentage goes down to 23%. And, and that's the best players in the world when they dribble more than twice. Their shooting percentage goes down to 23%. So what a, what a high school girls basketball player is going to do in Nebraska – I'm going to guess is going to be significantly less than 23% when you dribble more than twice. I'm going to throw that one out there. You know, and I, 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 I've always thought that, but I've never had the numbers to back what I thought. So that's even better. Now I can bring that back to my kids at practice and say that. The NBA guys are, or NBA guys, and I love it. So that's going to be great for my, what I can use for next year. So I appreciate you just gave me a great idea that I can use now. Well, now I, I just want that, you know, I want credit for it. So when you when you tell your kids, and feel free to record it as well, Cass, and then we can put it on the Twitter site, and it, you can just kind of show uh, the, the brilliance of a pen and a napkin podcast in that, in that regard. So... And I am going to share that, and I will do exactly what you're going to well, I, I I was just joking, but you know, a, a verbal a, a verbal um, credit will be fine. No video evidence is needed. I I, I trust your your virtue, Kaz. That uh, I I know you would give me credit when when you do share it with the knights. Oh, I will do that because I I did that for Jeremy Van Eckert. Uh, he he had a last second play that I stole from him, and we call it. When he was with Norfolk High, and we call Panther. Mm-hmm. So I give credit where credit's due. Typically, what for a play I've gotten, if it's a name of some somebody's mascot or somebody's city, I stole it from him, and that's what we do. So I'm I'm all about giving credit to whoever I steal it from. All right. Well, that I will sleep well tonight, then, Cas. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I made your day. Ah, hey, no, I, you have already. So. Um, Let's talk about a couple more things here. Uh, shell drill, um, and I know you're 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 a hardcore defensive guy. Uh, we only 
played each other, I think, formally just the one time, and we struggled to score. We, you know, my team was able to win the game, but I think we only scored like 37, 30, 38 points, something like that, uh, because your kids were so fundamentally sound with their, with their shell drill. Uh, what are some ways that you teach the shell drill? What are some different ways that you break it down? What are some different variations that you do uh, to have such a, a, a solid foundation of half-court defense? Well, part of what we try to do, again, I told you about the footwork drill. That's the first part that we usually start with is the closeouts and then the recoveries. Then we go into a four-on-four-on-four type situation. So we'll go where our four offensive players are playing at basically the three-point line or four defensive players. It's not any different than what anybody else does, but we have them typically inside the lane. And then we work ball you man. Uh, uh, so we'll go uh, if we're on ball we're talking ball if we're one pass away we're talking to nine if we're two passes away we're talking out and then we're just really trying to emphasize that with no dribble with the offense uh, we try to keep them stationary to start with and then we'll go with various ideas for that day it might be if you pass we're cutting the basket it, it might be if we pass we screen away we're trying to work different actions every single day in a shell drill for about ten minutes what I found is that it seems like if we go beyond the 10-minute mark, our mentality of being able to stay with it's not as good as it should be. And it's very similar to what happens in the classroom. If you're on something for longer than 10 minutes, typically people lose track. And mm-hmm. So we, we try to keep things moving with that part of it. But we'll do the, the forward throw of the closeout and go right the shell. And then we'll go and try to do some up and down, trying to work a lot of those shell concepts. So it, there's nothing specific. It's just uh, kind of what we do and try to get a feel for everybody as we're going through it. So I'll be on the defensive side breaking it down of the shell part of it. And then my offense, I try to have my other two assistants geared toward the offensive side. So they're working the offensive side of the cuts while I'm doing the defensive side of positioning. So we kind of have a good rapport with that or a good uh, where we're sharing ideas back and forth that whole time too. What uh, what are some ways, you know, I, I do agree with you, you have to keep things going. Um, you know, the teenage mind is has changed drastically since you and I were teenagers. Um, they don't have, and, and it's, it's nobody's fault, it's not their fault, they just literally don't have the attention span uh, that, that people used to have because they're so used to having everything in 260 characters or a two-minute YouTube clip or whatever it may be. But... What are some things that you try to do to, you know, what are some competitive ways in that 10 to 12 minute time period, uh, maybe a, a point system or, you know, first team to seven or what, what are some different things that you try to do to, to help teach that uh, as well? Yeah, we'll do what are, some days we'll split up the teams evenly. So we'll have one of our starters is in one of the two groups and try to break it down that way. And or watch well, have the three groups and so we try to even out as much as we can and we'll play even and as we come out obviously we want to end every possession with a with a rebound or a score if mm-hmm. it's possible so uh, in order for our defense to get to play offense they may have to get the stop mm-hmm. so if the offense scores make it we'll play make it take it and be that way if uh, one day it's going to be defense made or miss you're taking it out of the hoop taking it back to the we always use the volleyball 10 foot line as that mark but we're going to get a transition opportunity in and we'll go to that line and then we'll play it out from there too we usually just put a time limit on it because what i found is that 
sometimes if you try to get to a certain score, you may not get to that certain score based on how I teach shooting, I guess. So it might take us about, it could take us the whole practice to get to 40 points sometimes. But uh, so we put a time limit on it, and if we tie at the end, I, we go to the free throw line. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have one person on each team shoot free throws if that's the tie, and winner, whatever happens, if they both make it, then, then we go to the second person, and we kind of put some things on the line for free throws from that at the end of a session, and then whoever doesn't, there's some kind of consequence. It might be a burpee session. It might be going free throw back, at full court back, whatever it is. We'll put some kind of competition at the end just to make it so it's uh, it's game-like. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I like all those ideas. I think those are good, and you can do that in a in a quick hitter situation. Okay, hey, shell drill, uh, offense. You got five possessions. You've got to you've got to score three out of the five, or, or or things like that, where you can just boom, 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 and and put it on the kids. And as coaches, you, you try maybe not to to talk a lot during those those quick two, three, four minute bursts because you want the kids to figure it out for themselves as well. Uh, because you're not, you know, as as I think it was Popovich that said it, you know, I don't have 20 timeouts a game. I can't call timeout every time something goes wrong. You guys got to figure it out yourself. And I think those are quick ways that you can uh, put the kids in a situation where they have to figure it out for themselves. And I think that's a big part, too, because during the game, they have, to, they have to be able to say, okay, this is how I'm going to get the stop of a person going to the hoop, or this is how I'm going to get to the hoop if I haven't been able to get there. So I, I think that's a huge thing throughout the course of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, last thing, Cass, uh, your assistant coaches, uh, how do you break down their responsibilities? What are they responsible for? Uh, how do you delegate your authority on your staff? Well, I try to tell them, first of all, I said, if there's a, something that you think we need to do, uh, you speak up and tell me, because the more that we can have that relationship and rapport back and forth, if there's something that we need to get done on our team, you need to tell me and We'll talk about it, discuss it, and see what we need to get done. So I want them to always feel like the door is open, that we it's not Coach Kazmaier doing everything and saying, okay, this is the way it is, and we do this, this, and this, and that's it, and we're not doing anything else. So I, I want them to know that we're going to try to all do it, be it in, in it together, and try to make decisions as we go through. I try to – anything that I decide to do with or our team decides to do, I want them to feel like they input and – had a, everything that they could do to help us out mm-hmm. uh, along the way. Um, and from there, then, we'll just say, I'll break it up that I'm going to sweep the floor today in the gym before we start practice because we want to do that every time. Or if we have to have managers that day, they get to do it. But then we'll do various things where we break it up that everybody's a part of it. I have one of my assistants is responsible to put in the stats because he likes doing that part of it. So I give him free reign to do Okay, this is our staff program. He's responsible for getting the kids to be able to take our stats during the course of the game, and he'll put it together. And after the game, he's sending it to the various radios or the various papers for me, and then I might add a quote or two to it for that day if it's to our paper just so they know of, I thought it was important that we played a game last night. And then I'll have another assistant who's responsible for uh, doing the, the med kit that we need during the course of getting ready for a game. So. We try to have everybody have their own specific thing. I'm in charge of trying to make sure I have the schedule set up in terms of when we leave and all the kind of things that you, that typical head coach would do. And then 
I try to make sure I get our parents organized to be able to film the games for it. So all of those things, I, I take responsibility for that. And then from there, it's just a matter of we just try to share as many things as we can to make it so it's not that somebody feels like they're the only one doing all the jobs. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think that it's important that you, you keep your assistants co- uh, assistant coaches involved because th- there's a reason why you have them there, uh, and there's a reason why you're paying them. You know, and that's that's huge because I, I I also have our junior high coach has been a big impact in terms of me being able to do the things we kind of discuss. Okay, uh, what what kind of philosophy did, have we wanted to do? So he's actually done some things with the offensive part that we use at the high school level. So I I think it's been good that. Uh, we're able to kind of get those things going back and forth throughout our whole program all the time that everybody feels like they have an impact on what is going to happen for us going forward. And I think, I think that's, that's what it's about. If you want everybody to be working together and doing all the things we need to do to be successful. Yep. Yep. Well, Hey Kaz, this has been great. Any social media you want to plug? Well, you know, I'm at coach Kazmaier on Twitter. I'm not one of those big guys who puts out, uh, things that are huge in terms of amounts, I'm usually just retweeting what everybody else does. So, mm-hmm. uh, other than that, I, I don't have an Instagram. I'm probably old school that way. Obviously, when you've been in it for as long as I had, I don't even know if anybody knew what social media was back when I started. So, Well, so- social media was smoke signals. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I, I go back and I always tell the kids that, I don't even know what you're talking about with cell phones. We were, I was talking with uh, my sister-in-law yesterday uh, on a car ride that uh, it's time to hang up. And they, some of the kids will look at you and go, what's hang up? Well, uh, hang up the phone. And it actually had a, hey, a Cass. where you would hang the phone up instead of push it. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, but that's that's the only spot I have or my plug for my, uh, is that Coach Kazmaier. So. Well, we, we'll be sure to have folks check that out uh, at Coach Kazmaier. What was it again, Kaz? Yeah, just at Coach Kazmaier okay. on Twitter. Yep, okay. Well, be sure to check that out. Uh, Tim, I'm hoping you've had a good time here this uh, this fine Sunday morning. I've enjoyed talking with you. It's always great to hear from you, get some great insight, and be something that I can now use for my team, which is awesome. So I appreciate your time. Well, you know, you've you've done such a terrific job with your program, so consistent throughout the years and and everything that you've built. And, and you know, a lot of people remember the, the state tournaments and, and all of those things. But what they what you know, what they don't realize is you you had to build this up from not a very good situation. And I, so I think for those folks that are perhaps in a rebuilding situation uh, like you were in, and, and it was an extended rebuild where, you, you know, you went one win, three win, four wins, four wins, five wins, there is light at the end of the tunnel as long as you stay with it and you stay, and you stay true to yourself and you stay true to what you think is right to do. Don't you think, Tim? Oh, no doubt about that. To, to be able to be a part of that, it's been fun to see the whole thing grow, to see everything uh, to, just to get this experience to, from the days of the one wins to get to a state tournament, that, to have that first group get there was, was a special experience. That never, and those are groups you'll never forget, which is fun. I still see those kids coming back to this day, and it, 
uh, we talk about the various things that uh, came up during the year, and it wasn't about wins and losses. It was always about some situation that came up about uh, something outside of basketball, usually. So mm-hmm. it was always fun. It's always fun to get back and hear from those kids too. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. That 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 is perhaps the greatest benefit of now doing this for a while is you, you talk to your old players, you, you, you're you're watching their kids grow up, you go to their weddings, you, you know that type of thing. And I, and I think that is uh, perhaps the greatest payoff of our profession. The wins and losses are great. Getting state tournament is great, but having those lifelong relationships that's that's what it's really about. And that there's. No amount of money that makes up for that either. So everybody says the education world, we don't maybe make as much as we'd like to make, and that's probably true, but at the same time, uh, the rewards are not in a monetary value in that aspect. Ah, I'm living large, Kaz. You know, (laughs) I got my Porsche parked in my Lamborghini out in front of my my house here, so I don't even bother to put it in a garage because I've got another couple other uh, automobiles in here, you know, so... Um, I don't. I don't know what they're paying you at Norfolk Catholic, but at West Omaha, yeah, I'm. I'm rolling in it. Well, that's good to hear. I'm happy for you. I'll, I'll try to contact you when you get that Tesla. That's you. <laughs> well, I tell you what. After after that, I know I'm going to have to go to confession as well. So, because uh, if 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 a Porsche is considered a, a 2007 Hyundai Sonata, um, then 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 I'm rolling in it. Then then you can consider me rolling in it. So. Uh, well, that'd be like my 96 Blazer. Oh, geez. God. <laughs> you're, you're still stuck in the 20th century. Oh, you are darn right. Oh, man. Do, do you still have an AOL email account? <laughs> yeah, I, I've upgraded at least to a, a, <laughs> a little bit to a dot-com. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's that's good to hear. That's good to hear. That's that's uh, that's a, that's a positive for you and your social media presence. So, um, well, no, Tim, it's it's always great to talk to you. Um, you know, I, I wish you nothing but the best this year. Uh, if if we're lucky, uh, if we both get really really lucky, uh, maybe we see each other way down the line as as things move on throughout the year. Now that we're both at a at a C one school, so. Um, right. th- that that would be that would be a good thing, if 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 we're playing each other in February, that would be really good for both of us. You're darn right. So, all right. Well, hey, we're gonna we're gonna wrap up here, uh, Kaz. If you could hold the line just a second, um, we want to of course thank our our sponsor, Cosac Chiropractic. Uh, if you're in need of chiropractic services, don't hesitate hesitate to call Dr. Kevin or Dr. Heidi at four zero two nine six four zero three zero zero. Again, follow us on Twitter, a pen and a napkin. Uh, try to put out daily coaching bit, bit, tidbits on the Twitter handle, so be sure to follow us there. Download, rate, and review the pod. Uh, you're listening on SoundCloud or iTunes, so so be sure to, to give us a, a good feedback on on both of those sites. And, of course, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email us at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Do not email at timkazmeyer at aol.com. So... <laughs> This has been a great conversation here uh, with uh, with a friend of mine, Tim Kazmaier from Norfolk Catholic High School, the girls' basketball coach, highly successful up there. Coaches, as always, let's stay safe, let's pray for peace, and let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time.